0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Goalasso. We have a very special episode with Gabriel Agbonahor, Gabby Agbonahor, the former Aston Villa and England International. Villa's Premier League all-time scorer. We discuss Villa, the Premier League, England, Jack Grealish, MLS, why he really wanted to come to Miami, but obviously family beckoned. And we talk obviously time in the life of COVID and so, so much more. Stay right here. A great interview because here it is. (music) Joining us now on Gego Lasso CBS Sports Digital is Gabriel Agbonlahor. Gabby Agbonlahor, the former Aston Villa player with legendary status after a seventeen-year career with the club, with more than three hundred appearances for Villa, he is the club's all-time Premier League scorer, having found the back of the net in eleven straight seasons. He also earned international caps for England under twenty-one and England senior team, specifically the Fabio Capello years, where he earned his international debut in 2008. Uh, I remember it so well. Gabby is now a pundit and analyst in the UK. Uh, Talk sports, Sky Sports, just name it. He's doing so well, and he joins us today. Gabby, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, Now, I need to warn my listeners before we begin. It's important for everybody to know that Uh, For full disclosure, I'm a lifelong Villa fan, and I watched this man throughout my entire life. Uh, But this is about Gabby the analyst. So teenager me is going to just take a seat and calm down uh, as we break down the international break and the Premier League. Okay, so Gabby knows that. Gabby knows that, uh, you know, I'm not going crazy here. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Gabby, first off, how are you? Uh, How is life? How's 20 been for you and your family during these tough times?
1: Yeah, I think I'm fine now but I think like everyone else in the world um, especially March onwards has been tough. Um, I had the virus myself early March and I had um, really bad symptoms of it so luckily I got over it and um, got got better after 10 days but it's just been crazy times for everyone and I think everyone's got to stick together now and try and obey the law and um, if it's masks we have to wear, we have to wear masks until the virus has gone or they find a cure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I'm in the US but I grew up in the UK, I have family in the UK. How, how, um, how's the community doing, uh, do you think? Do you think they're uh, following yeah. exactly what you're saying, social distancing, et cetera? I mean, we don't want to get too much into it but it's important for everybody to hopefully pull this through, right?
1: Yeah. I think um, England is, is currently now under uh, um, the second national lockdown. Um, So everywhere is closed apart from um, essential work and workplaces that um, you have to go to work, shops um, unless their food shops are closed, restaurants, bars closed. So um, for a lot of people it is tough but when we're hearing news yesterday of there could be a vaccine coming out um, in the springtime so... I think when you you can see an end date, you can work towards it, can't you? You know, when you can see a sort of end. So they're talking about March, April being the end of it. So I think everyone's feeling positive now, Uh, um, just getting through the winter, like Game of Thrones, you know, winter's coming, (laughs) get through the winter and then hopefully happier times will be coming. So everyone's sticking together, obeying the law and um, hopefully we can get rid of this virus.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let let let's get going. You ended your play, your playing career uh, not too long ago, actually, but it seems that your punditry career is doing really well. You seem comfortable in those surroundings. Um, have you always been interested in that side of the game, or was it more, uh, you know, a thought once you stopped playing?
1: Yeah, I didn't really um, at all think of it at, at all. I didn't feel like I'd be comfortable doing it, especially with my accent, um, the brummy accent. So. When I first did it the first time, I was, I was quite a little bit nervous of like, you know, you, you see the guys on Sky Sports and BT Sports um, doing it every week and um, you have to be careful what you say as well. That's what you got to learn as well. When you do it the first time, everything you say can be used against you in the future. So at the start, it was um, something new, but like anything in the world, once you do things more and more, you get better and better. And I felt like that with the punditry. Once you do it um, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, you get better at it, you know, um, more comfortable to speak, what to say and how to go um, around it. So I'm enjoying it at the moment. Um, it's, I've been doing it for a year, but I feel like when you play at the, um, the Premier League level for so many years, I feel like you've got um, a decent opinion that people will respect.
0: Absolutely. Hey, listen, I love the Brummie accent. All right.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm sure, like, we can, are you getting tips from our friend, uh, Micah Richards?
1: <laughs> yeah, always, there's always tips to get. And I think, like, um, what I do like about it as well, though, is you can speak your mind, you know, um, you, you don't have to hold back if you've got a strong opinion on something, you can speak it, and it's nice to have the um channels to do it on.
0: Yeah, and you recently joined Twitter, uh, Brave Man, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually never, never, ever, um, went on it when I was playing because. Some of us got advised not to go on it because of like um, sort of abuse and um, you get yourself into trouble, can't you? You say the wrong thing, you can get fined by the, the Premier League and miss games. So for me, it was something that I didn't really want to go on. But with a punditry role, I feel like it's important to be on it, you know, to um, see what's going on. And you find out a lot on Twitter as well that you don't find out on Instagram, I feel. there's um, you, you see more people are um, active on Twitter than Instagram. So I've enjoyed it so far.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we paid the price when uh, Villa played Leeds, but that's for another time, right?
1: <laughs> it's, all,
0: it's all in good fun. Uh, Gabby, did you ever consider MLS? By the way, this is obviously a U.S.-based network, and uh, we appeal to uh, the the U.S. fan base and the domestic league here. Uh, it's a very good league; it's growing. I know that. Obviously, you have fans over here. Did you ever consider Major League Soccer?
1: 100%. Um, I'm a big fan of America. Um, I used to always go to Miami, um, Vegas, as you do on holiday, on vacation, LA, New York. um, Big fan of Florida, Um, Love my time in Miami whenever I used to come there every year on holiday. So that was my thought, you know, one day even after football, retiring in Florida um, would be a dream. So the chance to play there was always something I thought about. But the, the reason why I didn't go ahead with it, because... My kids are settled in Birmingham. I'm quite a a family man. It's a big ask to to take your kids and move them to America. So I couldn't move on my own and leave them. So it wasn't something that was ever going to be a um, a serious thing. I think if I didn't have kids, I would still be there now, probably playing at some level in America because I love the country. And um, yeah, it's an amazing country.
0: Yeah, no, you are a big family, man. I see it on Instagram all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's great to see you talk about Miami a lot. So Inter Miami would have been a choice for you, do you think? Would you been pushed for that one?
1: Hundred percent. I would have went there for free. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, like um, that, that is. I think for any player in the league, even I'm sure Inter Miami is the perfect location for uh, uh, even an American to want to play the football. You know, the weather's perfect in Florida. Um, you're you, you in Miami I mean what more can you ask for you've got David Beckham as an owner yeah I mean talk about like a dream job that is a dream job isn't it I'm sure if I was David Beckham I'll be, be offering a lot less wages than other clubs because players will want to go there it's similar to England um, London based clubs will not have to pay as much as North Northern clubs because players want to be in the South which is London
0: yeah, no, it's it's a good point. Well, the the playoffs uh, on MLS begin after the international break. Do you get a chance to follow it or see it? Uh, you know, I'm sure that the environment there is so busy, obviously. Uh, but MLS is growing, like I said. Do you get a chance to see it?
1: Yeah, MLS is growing definitely. We get a chance to see it, but the only problem at the moment is that it's so congested with English games. You don't really get the time to the American games because there's there's a game every 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 day more or less in England at the moment. Then there's international games, but I do like watching the um, MLS, you know, um, some of the players that are there are top players. And it's nice to see my friend Brad Guzan, when he plays for Atlanta, to see him um, um, doing well there. And it's growing, isn't it? And that that's the most important thing. Um, hopefully one day, fam, soccer, as you call it, can be up there with the NFL and basketball, you know, because I think Americans are starting to um, love football more and more each year, aren't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, let's talk now uh, about things closer to your side of things. How do you see this Premier League season right now? I feel like anyone can beat anyone at this point. And it's happened essentially uh, the whole time. I mean, we've seen results gone one way and then the next week in another, do you think it's partly due to just uh, the COVID restrictions and the environment itself? Is there something more to it, more competitive? Have teams taken advantage of the situation more than others? What do you think?
1: I think um, I wouldn't say COVID I'd say um, for some teams, I feel like the lack the, the no fans in the stadium can be um, a big thing because if You look at some of the results, there's a lot of high scoring games in the Premier League at the moment. And if you've got a, a, a stadium with 70,000 fans in, they're not going to accept you losing 4 1, 5 1, 7 2. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 you're not even for, for example, Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Yes, Aston Villa were the best team and deserved to win, but I'm sure after the second goal goes in, the Arsenal fans are going to be booing. Be angry at their players, which will make the players want to work harder. I think what I've seen in the Premier League so far is this season is that a lot of teams are thrown in the towel when they go 2-0 down because there's no fans to have a go at you to um, give you the abuse that you need sometimes when you're not playing well and trying. That's the biggest thing for me. And I do feel that a lot of teams... um, I said this last season, I said that Liverpool, Manchester City... Teams will start to catch them up. They will buy players, they will improve their squads and start to catch them up. And that's what's happening. Chelsea are improving. Spurs are improving. These teams have brought in players and they've improved. And that like, Liverpool are never going to win the league every year by 20 points. This is a Premier League. Most of the time it's going to be um, a, a good battle and that's what you've got this season. You've got Manchester City aren't guaranteed to beat Chelsea and Spurs. Liverpool aren't. Guaranteed to beat Chelsea and Spurs. That's what makes it special that teams are beating each other now and it's going to be a close title race where if you wanted to put a cheeky bet on a Chelsea or Spurs, you probably would be confident of doing it because anything is possible.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, especially about the fans, because we talk about like empty stadiums being an advantage for the away fans because we just think there's no atmosphere. But the other component is especially in like really like smaller stadiums, like, for example, a Craven Cottage or whatever, where the fans are so close to the pitch. Like you're taking a corner, you're three nothing down. That guy behind you is going to let you know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And if you're having a bad game, they're going to let you know they're going to if you're not tracking a runner, they're going to let you know. But like I was lucky lucky, luckily enough to go to the Aston Villa-Southampton game at Villa Park. I was watching that um, last week, and it was a crazy atmosphere. You could hear every player every player speak, every coach speak. It was like an echo, and it just felt like a under-23s game that mm-hmm. I used to play when I was younger, where there's no fans. And, OK, you lose 2-3-0, but you, you, it doesn't feel like you're on TV. There's no fans there. So are you more... Laid back in the game, or have you got that fight to try and get back into the game when the fans aren't screaming at you? And sometimes, when you're 2 3 nil behind at home, sometimes you can need the fans to lift you. You make a tackle, they lift you. You, you score your first goal, they lift you. That's a, there's a lot of factors that like we get in this strange season. I feel,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you think a player? Uh, deals with it, like in the game itself. Something that I really think about is when I'm watching these games. Is my God, like how do you, you know, you have to, I guess, in a way, mentally pretend that there are fans there, right there, right? Do do you feel that?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. But as well, I feel like the players, it's normal now. It's a new norm. They played enough games now without fans to just. It's normal for them. They're, they're, they'll they'll be fine now, and they'll they'll know that. Yes, the games are going to be live on TV. Even though there's no fans there, you're still live on TV. so You still know that everyone's going to be watching. Sometimes when I was younger and played and you're having a bad game, you half think to yourself, you know what, this game is on TV. So, you know, <laughs> people are going to see how bad I'm playing. But now every game is on TV. And everything's been shown. There's nowhere to hide. So even though there's no fans there, in your mind as a player, you know that all the 40,000 fans that are in here are probably watching it on TV somewhere. So you have to perform and you can't not track your runner and um, work hard for the team. So I think the players are used to it now and you'll probably start seeing less crazy results the more they get used to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Villa aside, uh, Gabby, what, what club is impressing you right now in, in the league?
1: I think for me, um, the, the biggest club they're impressing me is Leicester City. Um, I feel that um, they lost Harry Maguire. They've lost Ben Shilwell. They've not brought in any big big signings, and they're finding a way to win games. They've got a manager with great tactics who can play every man behind the ball and play counter attacking football, or he can play he can play a high press and go after teams. He's got the players to do it. He's got exciting young players like Madison Barnes. Um, he's got Vardy, who doesn't doesn't seem to be getting any older with the way he's playing. So they've got an exciting team, and. I feel like the manager is one of the best managers in the league because he hasn't had millions to spend, but he's getting the best out of his squad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As a former striker, number nine, how do you see Jamie Vardy? I mean, what what more can you say about this guy, right? Like just such a finisher.
1: Yeah, what I like about him is that people will look at him and say, yeah, he's not. He's not got a great left foot or he's he, he doesn't score this perfect goal. But what he does do, he he knows his strengths, he will make runs in behind, he will terrorise defenders and he will score goals. You don't have to be the perfect um striker on the eye, you know. Um but he knows his attributes and use it to to his advantage. You know, he's not gonna score goals like Didier Drogba used to score or um um Thierry Henry, you know, them them super super goals, but you know he's going to get the right running behind with the right service. He's going to pace defenders and score goals. And I think he can do it for a couple not more years yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about Villa now. Doing really well under Dean Smith. Uh, two disappointing results uh, against Leeds and Southampton were quickly rectified thanks to a really fantastic performance against Arsenal, as you said. Uh, you know this club Obviously very well Under a few managers What are you seeing From Dean Smith How do you rate This team right now And just the journey Overall I guess
1: I think with this team Now I'm seeing a team That last season Was very tough Last season was a season Where a lot of players Were new to the Premier League Learning every week What I see now Is a bunch of players Who are getting more experience Every game they play Every world class player To play against In the Premier League And they're learning And as a manager, I feel Dean Smith is learning. We've seen the tactics change a little bit with McGinn playing as um sort of sitter with um, Louise. You know, He's showing that he can mix it up with his tactics in different games. And there's going to be more games this season where he will have to change his tactics. I'm sure the next game against Brighton will go back to um, McGinn playing a bit higher because it's um, Brighton at home, you know, so... The team's learning, the manager's learning still, and they're playing exciting football. The way they played against Arsenal was perfect. I mean, I was looking to play in two wins at the Emirates, and they've put them two wins to shame sort of thing because they've got, they've got probably the best result an Aston Villa team's ever had at the Emirates, and it's fully deserved, and it's just good to see that exciting football. I mean, the way I played, I like the way Watkins plays now. It's that exciting fast counter-attacking striker that Aston Villa fans want
0: to see yeah Watkins reminds me a lot of you actually uh, you know it's funny because when uh, Villa bought him obviously from Brentford there were a few eye rolls about the price and my whole argument Gabby it's you know uh, the fee is only relative to the value that that player is worth to the club and look at what Watkins is doing H- how do you feel about how Watkins specifically is doing and how he's going to do you know, uh,
1: I don't think fees matter, to be honest. Fees are, are, are based on the current market, you know. Um, price is always going to go up every year, you know. Um, it, yes, it's a lot of money, but look at his age. He's still, at, I think he's 24, maybe. He's still at a good age where he's still learning. And he's got the attributes that Dean Smith likes, you know, that most managers like nowadays, you know. I feel like in the Premier League, you have to have a striker who can threaten him behind. I mean, Wesley can do a decent job, Keenan Davis can do a decent job, but even Samata, like these players aren't going to give you what Watkins gives you. It gives um, defences um, worries as they can't push him because he can play in behind, you know, and it's just good to see him doing well. And I feel like the way he's playing and the way he's scoring goals, I mean, I, I do actually feel he'll break my record and I'm happy for him because my record was, I think, 74 goals, you know, and, I feel like Aston Villa will be a Premier League team um, for, for a while now. And if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's got enough time in him to to break that record.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, the final part about uh, Villa, let's talk about Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, Villa fans know exactly what Jack Grealish is about. You know exactly what Jack Grealish is about. It's been a, an interesting journey for him and sometimes it's amazing to remember that he's only 25 still. Like, and he's been around for a while. Um, listen, you've played with him. You, you understand this journey. You are, a, you are a product of Villa. He is, you know, what's the verdict of him at this point, do you think? How do you see him right now in his career?
1: I see a player who has worked on his game, improved, got stronger as a man, you know, more physical in the way he um he is, um, and a man who is learning every game. Still, he knows there's more to come. He knows he's not at his peak yet, and everyone who who's followed his journey can tell there's more to come. This player is learning about the position he's in now. He's not always played as a left winger. He's learning how to play in that position more, and he's just showing week in week out now i mean we look at the goal on the counter attack for Watkins that he set up he receives the ball off martinez and he's unstoppable you look at if, if you look at that goal in detail every touch he's taking is the right length if you're teaching a kid how to dribble with a ball um, at speed it's a perfect example every touch is the right amount in front of him Do you know it, it, the, the close ball control and making the right decision some people might um say that Jack Reedish should have passed more in previous games, but what does he do? He probably takes that on board and he makes the right pass for Watkins when it's the right time to pass and not go the whole whole way on his own. And I just feel that there's, there's some things that he'll know he can improve on, you know, and he will get better and better. And I just feel that Aston Villa as a club are very lucky to still have him. And we have to, like, make sure that... We as a club and as a manager and the owners um, live up to the expectations of him himself, you know, and that's what they've done, bringing in Barkley, bringing in Watkins, Martinez, bringing in these players that are going to challenge and Aston Villa will lose games this season, but there'll be many more results like the Arsenal game where they shot teams and that's what you want.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about his role with England as we, you know, talking during the international break, uh, you know, some friendlies, uh, the Nations League?
1: I think um, it's been known across um, the press here and the media that Southgate, there's something that he doesn't really like about Jack Grealish that um, I've noticed whenever he has an interview and they ask him about Jack, he will bring up Mason Mount. It's actually quite laughable. you know. It's like, um, I don't know, Mason Mount's his son and he wants to play his son in every game, no matter if another player is playing three times better than your son. That's the example I would give but sooner or later it comes to a stage where a player's performing like Jack and you have to drop your son and you have to bring in the superstar and that's what will happen. These three um, games coming up he won't just give Jack an, um, a friendly game he'll play him in the Nations League game as well because the whole country, the whole world is in awe of the way Jack Greenwich is playing. We're lucky to have an English player who can play like that because we've not always been blessed with English players who can do the things that he's doing and it would just be nice to see um, Southgate sort of um, swallow his pride now and just play the lad because he's got two, I think two two England caps. He should have a lot more and sooner or later, if you play him with the right players around him, he will start scoring goals for England as well. So fingers crossed Southgate can bite his tongue because sooner or later, the media are going to scrutinise Southgate if he doesn't start playing anymore.
0: Yeah. Final question, Gabby, you've played with some great great names in your career. Who are some of your most impressive teammates? Do you think uh, perhaps you have one or two in your back of your you know your mind? Yeah,
1: like- I think like um Jack is definitely um up there, but he's not up there with the others because when I left Aston Villa, Jack was still improving. If I played with Jack now, then I'd say he's in the top two hundred percent, but because I haven't played with Jack where he's in his prime like he is now. I'd have to say, Ashley Young for me was outstanding. Um, the connection we had, whenever he got the ball on the left wing, I could make my runs um, and he'd feed me and give me assists. I'd give him assists and we just had a great connection together. And for me, he's um, the number one best player I've ever played with at Aston Villa.
0: Absolutely wonderful. Uh, to remember those days and wonderful to talk to Gabby Agbonahor, uh the greatest Premier League scorer for Aston Villa. Uh, who knows, maybe one day he'll come to Miami and, you know, maybe like cut the grass for Inter Miami or maybe like <laughs> just give him 20 minutes at the end if they're dying for something. Gabby, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, stay safe. My best to you and your family.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Speak to you soon.
0: I want to thank Gabby Agbonlahor for joining me today. Make sure that you follow us on Kego support on Twitter. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Stitcher. And please keep listening to us because we are not going anywhere during the week. We're always here for you. Stay with us, and we will see you next time.